I, I, I got to steal some of this stuff that he has here. Because um, just a couple of those songs that we were singing, I don't know where he, where he left them at. Um, but the fact that he calls us friend. As we're singing that song, I'm not going to sing it for you or anything, but where is it at? God. Anyways, maybe I should just... Um, Where'd it go, Jim? Oh, he is. He is. Oh, yeah, it's right in front of me. <laughs> well, because you had... Anyways, so I'm looking at, or, you know, as we're singing these songs, I'm just kind of like, you know, all the things that he is. He is the living water, the bread of life, the living king. He is alive, uh, the living water, again, bread of life. <laughs> um, but he is all these things. He's the, uh, the lion of Judah, the true vine. Uh, the only sac- the one and only sacrifice, um, the Alpha Omega, the Word of God, the one and only righteous. Um, we're, we're 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 singing all these things, and, and and what was just like nailing me is the fact that that he says you call us friend. He is the I am. You know when when, when you read. In Exodus, when Moses says, okay, God, I'm going to go talk to Pharaoh, but who do I tell him is sending me? He says, I am, that I am. And it just blows my mind. It's like, uh, yeah, the I am just told me to come. And uh, what that's insane is like, I am, period. I am that I am. And then to think that he calls you his friend. And, and, and earlier we were singing that, that song, how he is a good, good father. That's who he is. And, he's, and, and I am loved by him, or we are loved by him. And so we're singing these songs, and I am just sitting there going, how, how is that? And I was just getting blown away at just how much he truly loves us. If you realize who he is, and then... He says, but you're my friend. I call you my friend, and I love you. And I don't know what you go through in life, <laughs> and I don't know what you battle with or the things that you doubt, but there are times even in my own life that I question God. Are you really, do you really love me that much, you know? And uh, shame on me because <laughs> he does, you know? But we're human, and we kind of go through that stuff. And I'm just, I, again, we're just worshiping, man. And I'm just like, Lord, this is a good time just to be here. And just to, and, and I don't know how Jim picks out these songs, but, you know, they, they, they come about, and then, you know, I hope you take them to heart and not just sing them or look at them up on the screen, but really contemplate what it says because it, it's mind-blowing. So let's just... Um, before we start, let's just be quiet before the Lord and maybe contemplate some of the things that you were singing and just for a little bit, uh, just worship and quietness and then we'll start our study.
Lord, thank you for calling us friend. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for being a good, good father to us. We thank you for your word, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And we'll just want to bask <laughs> in his love and just like, no, let's just get back up here, worship team. Let's just worship. <laughs> Um, next week we are having a family night. Uh, we're starting at 6.30. Um, some of you guys got here a little early hungry and um, realized you have to go get something to eat. Um, it's next week, just, just so you know. <laughs> um, last week, though, we did get uh, started in the book of First Kings as, uh, as we just kind of continue with the narrative of, of uh, the, the, the story of Israel and, and what God's doing in the nation of Israel and bringing this monarchy into existence, you know, because they wanted to be just like every other nation, you know, they wanted a king. And the first king that they had was exactly what they wanted, and he looked great on a coin, you know, just an amazing looking man. And, and then uh, his character was shot, though. He had a flawed character. And, um, and, and God removed the kingdom from him. And it's interesting because <clears throat> he, he wouldn't have a dynasty. He, he was from the wrong tribe. He was from the tribe of Benjamin. And, and God had already promised Judah that he would be the one that would uh, carry on this, this, this dynasty. And, and through him, the Messiah would come and sit on the throne and all. And so... God chose a, a, a young man by the name of David who, who uh, truly wasn't even in the running when, uh, when Samuel came looking for a king and uh, he was out feeding the, sh the sheep, you know. And, and it was almost like, God, don't you have another son? Because these guys look amazing, but God hasn't chosen not one of them. Got any more? It's like, wow, we got the ruddy one, you know, the good looking. He's good looking, but he's ruddy. And um, so they bring him in, and this is the man. And so David becomes the, the king of Israel. And so we continue in that realm. In the, and, and this, you know, last week we got to cover a whole chapter, and we see that now David is at the end of his life, you know, and, and he's old, you know, because he's over 70. Um, and yet. Uh, this morning, or this morning, this evening, we're only going to cover the first 12 verses of, of chapter 2. Um, but again, David is at the end of his life. And, uh, and you would think that with all that he has gone through, um, he would just be enjoying his golden years, you know. Um, it seems as though the Lord has given him rest from his enemies, from all around. He, he was a man of war, we know that. Um, he had a lot of battles, but as he gets to the end of his life, you know, and even though he has rest from without, from all of his enemies, it is from within that there is still turmoil. There, there, there's still stuff that is going on within his own family and even within his own ranks. These people who had been with him and, and serving with him and fought for him and, and, and all these kinds of things. You know, there's still all this turmoil that is happening with, even within his own ranks. And, and, and it's almost, it, it's partly because of the consequences that continued to linger because of his sin. And I know we hate to hear that. 
Because sometimes, you know, our sin, when we commit sin, when we get involved in sin, there is a lingering effect that happens. And even though we're forgiven, you know, in, 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 in the New Testament, and God has forgiven us of all our sins, there's still those lingering things that happen because of past sins. And some of those things, you know, God just kind of gets rid of, but some things just don't go away. And they might not be as visible, but, but I don't know if you battle like I battle with my past sins, that they never seem to, like, they're, they're always, like, right there at the, you know, you can bring them to remembrance that quick, and they haunt you, and they linger. And I often think, like, man, why can't I remember history that well, you know, from way back when, or math? or stuff like that, but I remember my sin that quick. And so, again, man, just the consequences of our sin, it lingers, it stays. But for David, man, there was a reason for this. When you go back to 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 10 through through 12, he says, uh, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite, to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversaries against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. And it kind of goes back to Bathsheba, you know, and the sin that he committed there. And it wasn't just adultery, man. It was the lying. It was the murder. It was, it it lingered for about a whole year before Nathan came and says, you're the guy. And there was repentance. It was true repentance. We read chapter, or uh, yeah, chapter 51 of, of Psalm, and you see the repentance that came with all of that. And yet, God had told them, but the sword will not depart from their house. And so even though there was true repentance, even though there was lingering, um, even till the end of his life, it's not to say that the Lord didn't bless him and use him because he used him mightily. And I love the life of David. I love the life of David because of the openness, because the Lord showed us the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet when you read in, in Acts about David, man, it's like, man... When it was says that he had, uh, he was a, a man after God's own heart, and I'm thinking even David, with all the jacked up things that he did, and it's like yeah, because God used him regardless. We have this book of Psalms that we go to oftentimes. I know I do, and there's so many of the Psalms that he wrote, and they comfort me. They, they because I know his life, and I know kind of what he, he went through and, and some of the ups and downs and ins and outs that he went through. And, and so all of this stuff. And, and because he, he did have multiple wives, and that'll get you in trouble. Note to self, do not have multiple wives. Um, and he had so many kids with those wives. There was always drama going on, always drama and, and, and David was, well, he was handsome. He was a chick magnet, yeah. He was easy on the eyes. Um, and and he, was a, he was a great baby maker. You know, they, man, every, every kid we read about him, man, 
he was handsome, good looking, all this stuff. And it's like, dang. But, but, but he really never made it at, as father of the year. He just never did, you know. In other words, he just wasn't a great dad, it seemed like. He was a great military leader. He's considered Israel's greatest king, but he lacked in fatherly skills. And again, you know, I, I love that. Not, not that he lacked, in, but, but I love the fact that we have that, that truth in the word of God. I, I, I love the fact that God just didn't give us all the roses. You know, he gave us the thorns that go along with those roses about David's life. And yet, I, I love this man. I love that we get to study about him. <clears throat> and I almost feel like I'm going to be doing this funeral in a little bit. But anyways, I'll try not to cry. Um, but uh, we're in Second Kings chapter 2, the first four verses. Again, we're only going to cover seven, uh, 12, so if I linger here, it's okay. Um, it says, now the, the days of David grew or drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon, his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his testimony, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, if your sons take heed to their ways to walk before me in truth with all their hearts and with all their souls, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. <clears throat> As I shared with you last week, David is about 71 years old at this point. Again, the word of God tells us that he is old. He's advanced in years. He, he, he's, he's an old geezer in that sense. He can't even keep himself warm. He has to have some young chick come in and lay with him to keep him warm, to get some body heat going because he can't even produce that. And, and so he's at the end of his life. And, and, and verse er, chapter 2 begins by telling us that, that his days, they now drew near that he should die. And again, we're going to see a little later that he does, you know. But it's almost like I get to this point and it's like, ah, David. David's at the end of his life, you know. But it says that, that he charged his son. And, and we know that he had several sons. At this point, he has lost three, the three older ones. We, we, we ran into Adonijah last week. And just, to, we're not going to get to it tonight, but he's going to die too. He's going to die. So he's, he, he'll lose four kids, you know. And Solomon is the one that has been called by the Lord to take over the throne. And we saw that last week. And Solomon is about 20 years old. Some commentators will say that he's about 15 to 20. And, and it's quite possible, but I will, let's just say he's about 20 years old. He is a young man. 
And, and, and his brother, who wanted to be the king last, last week, he was about 35 years old. So you can imagine he's going, what is this young punk going to do or say? I'm older than him. I should be the one that takes over here. That, that should be my position. And when he grows up, I hand it over to him, which I doubt. But, but again, you know, he, that was his thinking. I am the oldest. I should take over. But God had not called him, and he had called this young man Solomon. And David had anointed him king, and so they co-reigned from chapter 1. Now, it doesn't tell us the timeline between chapter 1, when that happened, and, and verse or chapter 2, verse 1, where it says that he's about to die. And when we get to verse 10, he dies. It doesn't tell us what the timetable is, but they kind of co-reigned with one another. David had not been able to sit on the throne. He's been keeping warm in his bed. But Solomon, Solomon has taken the throne. And that was a big deal, as we read last week, that, that he rode on, on, on the mule, on the, on the king's mule. And he got to sit on the throne, and they proclaimed him king, and, and they shouted, you know, long live King Solomon. And it was a big deal. And so more than likely, this, this chapter that we have here starts off, the scene more than likely takes place in David's bedroom and not on the throne, in the throne room. And it's probably only David and Solomon and maybe his bed warmer might be there, but that would be a little creepy. If he's snuggling up with her, it's just like, Dad, stop. But this is a serious moment in one sense, you know, as David is drawing near to death. And now it's time to sit his son down and to pass the baton over to him. David, it says in Acts chapter 13, verse 36, that he had served his own generation by the will of God. In other words, he, he did good. He did good with all the other stuff that happened. At the end of his life, as we look behind, or as we look back, as we often do, you know, like in, in, in Hebrews chapter 11, you know, we look back at these patriarchs, all these people that were in the Bible, and it's like, man, they are a man of faith, man of faith, man of faith. But when we look at his whole story, you, you see the ups and downs, you see, you see the ugliness about it. But, but it, it, when it gets to the New Testament, it says that he did well. He did the will of God, according to Acts chapter 13. But it seems like he is concerned about Solomon and the next generation. And then so it says that, that, that he, he charged Solomon, his son, saying, and that word charged in, in the Hebrew, it means to constitute, to enjoin, command, put in order, or set in order. It is a military term, in other words, that, that, that gives orders. You, 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 you give a charge and you expect it to be done. It's not a suggestion. It doesn't say, and he suggested to his son, he commanded his son, or he charged his son. And, he, and, and, and he's kind of like putting everything in order. Instead of having a living will, he's telling them, this is what what you should be doing. This is what I expect from you. This is what you should do. And so he gives them this charge. 
And even though we know that David wasn't the greatest dad, (laughs) to me, he kind of makes up a lot of ground here as he charges his son. In how he, he prepares his son for what's ahead. Again, he's a young man. Solomon has not been a man of war. He, he, if anything, he may have been sheltered. <laughs> he, he may have been kind of protected by Bathsheba, his, daughter, his wife, because she knew that he would be the king and there's no way I'm sending my boy out there, even if he is young. And, and, and it's funny because we look at David and when we, he first kind of comes on the scene and he goes up against Goliath and he kills this giant, you know, he's about 15 years old. And so he starts off to be a man of war at early age. And Solomon, in one sense, he's kind of been sheltered and not been out there. And so he charges his son of what he should do as he takes over for him. Not everybody gets to have moments like this. For as much as David was a man of war, that the fact that he didn't die in battle, out in the battlefield, he has this opportunity, because he's old and he knows he's dying, to be able to talk to his son and, and impart some wisdom into his heart and to instruct him. And the great thing about this is that we get to learn from it. And that's what I love about the Word of God. Even though it's a story that we can look back, it's like, yeah, that's history for the nation of Israel. It's instruction for us as we read His Word. It's good that we instruct our loved ones <laughs> even before we get close to our death, deathbed. It's a good, it's a good example here as, as we see a deathbed experience and he's having to impart knowledge to him. And, and again, as I was looking at this, I'm going, we shouldn't have to wait until we get to that point. Not if we know the Lord, not if we know the Word of God, that we would be imparting these kinds of instructions to our children and the people around us, even if they're older. To, 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 to kind of hand things over to them and, and show them, you know, the way they should go. And it's interesting because as he's on his deathbed, he tells his son, he charges his son, in verse 2 he says, I go the way of all the earth. <laughs> and to me, that is such an amazing statement. The Bible tells us, as, and as it is appointed for man to die once after But after this is the judgment. That is such a true statement. That I go the way of all the earth. It's interesting because Joshua used that same phrase at the end of his life. As he was going to hand things over to the judges and those who would follow after him. He he, he begins to tell them, I'm going the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm going to die. And this phrase is, is important because all of us go the way of all the earth. All of us. If, if we're not raptured first, we, we all will go the way of all the earth. That is a given. And making that statement is one thing. When we're talking about ourselves. But understanding that statement 
is quite a different thing when we're talking about those around us, especially our loved ones. That we have to understand <laughs> that everybody goes the way of all the earth. If you were born and you have breath, you will go the way of all the earth. It's kind of somber, man. I, 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 I have been dealing in, in for the last three months with a lot of death. <laughs> I don't know if you know that, man. But, but, man, there's people in our church that are hurting, man. There's so many people that have not, not so much had to make that statement, hey, I'm going the way of all, all the earth, but they've had to see that in their family. They have gone the way of all the earth. There's so many in our fellowship who are hurting, and I've been kind of involved in a lot of that, and, and, and I'm looking at this right now with what even happened last weekend with another family member from our church, you know, that they're, they're hurting, you know, and I'm sitting down and I'm reading this and they come into my office so we can talk about the memorial service and I read them this because it's like, guys, this is what's reality here, man. People go the way of all the earth and it sucks. It sucks, man, and it's because of sin that death has entered in and so we all go through this thing. And David is at that place and he tells his son, I am going that way too. God's not going to give me another 20 years. He's 71. He's not giving me another year. He's not giving me another month. He's not giving me whatever. I will die soon, Solomon. And he tells him this as he says that to him. I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore. Be strong. The word strong takes on the meaning of to hold upon, to seize, to lay hold, to be stout, to hold fast. In other words, be immovable. Be immovable. (laughs) He's saying David, or Solomon, I'm dying. I'm your dad. I'm dying. You be strong, though. And I don't think it's just, hey, son. It's like, hey, king. (laughs) You need to be strong. You will be the leader of, 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 of an amazing nation. God's nation. And so you need to be strong. And that is one of the hardest things, guys, because, again, as we've been dealing with a lot of this stuff, You almost don't want to tell family members that have lost their loved ones, hey, be strong. You almost want to just say, just curl up. Just cry. Because sometimes it's like, how do you breathe after an an incident happens in your life? And then there's people going, hey, just be strong. And you're going, shut up. I don't want to hear that. You be strong. You can be strong because your kid didn't die right now or your husband didn't die or whatever the case may be. And so we, we look at this, though, and we're looking, and it's the Word of God, and he's, he's encouraging his son to be strong in the midst of death. And these were the words that the Lord told Joshua when Joshua's mentor, uh, Moses, died. And you begin the book of Joshua, and it says, God's servant Moses died. 
And I could imagine Joshua going, who else is around? And he's going, no, you're the man. I'm going to raise you up. And he says this to him in chapter 1 of Joshua, verses 6 and 7. God telling him, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to your fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. The Lord himself telling somebody that will be leading the nation of Israel, Joshua, be strong and courageous. And if you just stay right here, (laughs) if you just stay right here where, where, where you will stay strong and courageous, don't go to the right or to the left, just stay right here, you will prosper. I will get you through this. And you see, there's times that in our lives when, when, when people have gone the way of all the earth and, 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 and not just people are telling us, but God says, hey, you need to be strong for your family right now. You can't waver right now because I will use you as the pillar. I will use you to lead this family into what I have for them. Even in the midst of death. Even in the midst of a tragedy. Is it possible to stay strong? Absolutely. In our own strength? Well, we can try. But we can stay strong in the Lord. And we can be courageous, even through the midst of all this stuff that happens. With Solomon being so young, can you imagine the, 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 the weight that he began to feel as his dad's going, sit down, son. You know that I'm dying. And you need to be strong. And it's almost like the baton has now been passed to him. The robe has been passed to him. The throne is his. The mule is his. The kingdom is his. And he's like, be strong. (laughs) You're going, really? Yeah. Be strong. being somewhat sheltered that he may have been, he he had to totally rely on the Lord and find his strength in who the Lord is. No doubt he had seen this strength in his father, the king, as the king. He had seen that strength. He had seen that kind of strength in his military, being a military leader. But as I'm going through this, knowing that David wasn't always the best dad, I'm thinking, but I hope that he saw his father relying upon the Lord. And in that, he could say, if my dad was strong with all the stuff that he did, all the mess ups and all the things that I've heard, and I know where I came from, and I know who my, my mom's other husband was that my dad killed, and blah, 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 all that stuff. And, and, and my grandpa, you know, hating David, it goes on and on. I hope that even through all that junk, he was able to see his father be strong in the Lord. 
and in that say, if my father can be strong, I can be strong. My dad wasn't perfect, but I know who his God was. Again, oftentimes we are told or encouraged to be strong. And there are times that we can muster that within ourselves and our own strength. But it is truly not sustainable unless you really have the Lord. And I truly don't quite comprehend how people, when they lose someone um, tragically or, or e- anyway, how, how, how do they gain their strength? Where do they gain their strength? And I know that oftentimes God will use even death to bring people to himself because they realize it's not sustainable. I can't be strong for my, for my family. And they're falling apart. We need to find ourselves under the shadow of the Almighty. Psalm, 20, or Psalm 63, 7 says, Because you have been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wing I will rejoice. And I love this next part where, where he says, And prove yourself a man. <laughs> as much as I like this phrase, because it's almost like he's telling his son, You're a young man, basically, but man up. And it's interesting because, again, sometimes men try to prove themselves men. But it's different here. He's not saying, hey, hey, prove yourself a man by how many wives you can accumulate, even though he will accumulate (laughs) many wives. Prove yourself a man by how you can fight and how how you can do all these things. Prove yourself a man to to go and get whatever you got to go do to prove yourself a man. No, he doesn't do that. And I like what what one commentator said, uh, uh, Adam Clark's commentary says, he acts most like a man who is most devoted to his God. That's how you prove yourself a man. There's a lot of males out there, (laughs) alpha males, and they prove themselves to be males. But truly, you want to prove yourself a man. Devote yourself to God and living what God requires of you when you become a man in God's eyes, in God's economy. And what he's saying when he says, prove yourself a, ra- a man, he's saying, don't act irrational. Don't be a brute. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about follow the ways of the Lord. That's how you will prove yourself a man. He says in verse 3, and keep the charge of the way of, uh, of the Lord, your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, his, his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. <clears throat> David understood that if his son kept his eyes on the Lord, and did what the Lord required of him because he's not saying, hey, do what I'm telling you to do. Do it my way. He says, no, do it the Lord's way. And it will be well with you if you do it the way God has told you to do it. And I think that that, that is our heart's desires as, as parents, you know. That all, all we really want or all that we should desire is that our, our kids walk with God. It's like, I don't care what you do in life, just walk with Jesus. And you, it will go well with you. 
I don't care what you do in, in one sense. I don't, think, I don't care what you become. But if you are on fire for Jesus and you are obeying him, you will be okay. If you don't turn to the right and you don't turn to the left. And he gives them these specific things right here in verse 3. To stay close to the Lord. And, and, and it's interesting because if you turn over, and you don't have to, but I will read it to you in, in Psalm 19. As you look at verse 3 and all the things that he tells them to do, in, in Psalm 19, verses uh, 7 through 11, it says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are right, are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them, there is great reward. He basically tells him, hey, read Psalm 19, my son. Keep what it says there, and it will be well with you. There will be great reward. Guys, I'm not saying that if you do these things, nothing bad will ever happen. That's not what I'm saying, because David's about to die. I'm just saying that when we are doing these things, no matter what happens in our life, God will be there for you. He will be there. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. No matter what happens, God will be there. Again, we don't have to have someone on their deathbed telling us to do this. Nor should we wait to be on our deathbed to encourage others to do this. This is what we are commanded today to do. I was reminded of Deuteronomy 28. And I'm not going to read it all, but man, I encourage you to read it. It is an amazing portion of Scripture. 28, 29, 30. Knock your socks off. But this is, this is what, what Deuteronomy 28 says in verses 1 and 2, and then I want to jump over to verse 15. That he, because he's, he's kind of telling them, Here, here's your deal, man. You do this, this happens. You do this, that happens. And he says in verse 1 of, of Deuteronomy 28, Now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all His commandments which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And then you read on to verse 14 and it tells you all the blessings that he will give the nation of Israel. And you get to verse 15 and it says, but it shall come to pass. If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all these commandments and the statutes which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And the curses 
that, that, that follow are, are twice as many as the blessings that he has told them. If you keep this thing, these things will happen. If you don't, these things will happen. And it's interesting because as you go to the next chapter, chapter 29, verse, verse 9, it says, Therefore keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. And then in verse, or chapter 30, verse 11 to 15, it says, this, For this commandment, commandment which I command you today is not too mysterious for you, nor is it far off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and who will bring it to us that, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Verse 15, see I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. And so this is what what David is basically telling his son. Stay on the right track. Doesn't mean things won't happen, but you stay on the right track and God will be with you and he will fulfill everything that he has said that he will fulfill. And David understood what was at stake because he had seen the blessings of the Lord. Oh, he felt the consequences of sin for sure. Solomon would have to learn the hard way though. Because he did not heed his father. Oh, he looks good for a little bit. But it's almost like, are you kidding me, bro? God had given you everything on a silver platter. Given you what you asked for and more. And now you have to learn it on your own. David had done all he could at this point to instruct his son in what he should do. But was it a little too little too late? <laughs> All that he said was true and, and right on. And God will be with Solomon. Or God, God will be Solomon's God. But he will learn his own lessons. But I have to say that these things are true for us today. There are blessings and there are, there, there are cursings that happen. And God has instructed us. He has given us his word. And in Galatians it says, God's not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. And so guys, again, man, it's just good instruction for us. In, in verse 5, and I'm going to move on here, it says, moreover, as he's talking to Solomon, moreover, you know also what what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me. And what, he, uh, and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and to Amasa, the son of Jephthah, whom he killed and shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go.
go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai, the Gilead, Gilead. And let them be among those who eat at your table. For so they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother. And see, you have with you Shimei, the son of Gura, the Benjamite, from uh, Bapharim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mananim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan. And I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him. But bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. (laughs) Wow. As he's instructing him, he says, oh, yeah, by the way, you're inheriting some, some people. And for some reason, David did not deal with, with uh, Joab the, the way he should have. Joab was his nephew, and so this would be Solomon's cousin. But he says, you know what he did to me. And, and Joab, as you, if you were here with us this whole time, I always told you, it's like, I can't figure this guy out. But he was going to do what was right for the nation of Israel, whether David agreed with it or not. But he brings up the fact that he killed these two commanders. Abner was on Saul's side and he defected. He came over and he ended up killing them because Abner had killed his brother, his younger brother, in time of war. All fair is in love and war. He killed them in war, and he had warned them, stop chasing me before I have to kill you. He didn't stop, so he killed them. It was rightful. It was a war. But he killed them in peacetime. And Amasa was also somebody that had been with, with um, Saul's son, and, and it came over to his side. And, and same thing, when he realized, this guy's going to take my job, he kills him in peacetime. He stabs him in and, and he dies. But he had also called, killed Absalom. Now that one was in war, but he knew that David was saying, don't kill my son Absalom. It's like, yeah, right. Let me do him then. He was a man who, who, who would kill people just because it's like, ah, they might threaten me. Let me take care of them. But this was a man who was so loyal to David. But we saw in the first chapter that he already tra- uh, became a traitor to David and went to Solomon's brother, Adonijah. And so he says, hey man, you got this guy, deal with him the way you think is right, but one thing I do tell you, don't let his gray hair hit the grave. In other words, don't let him linger. Kill him as soon as you can. Barzillai was a man who had come to David when he was fleeing his son Absalom and they didn't have all the stuff and he was a wealthy man that he came with all kinds of stuff and says, here, let me take care of your troops and all these things. And when, when, when he was coming back after Absalom was dead, he says, hey, Barzillai, Bar- come, come and live with me. He said, nah, bro, you can go. I want to die in my own house. But here, take my sons, take care of them. And so, so he's telling Solomon, hey, take care of his sons. Make sure that they eat at your table. 
Adopt them, in other words. Take care of them. And then he gets to Shimei, and most of us remember Shimei who, who was cursing David when he was leaving because of Absalom, and he kept on cursing him, but he came from the family of, of Saul, and so he wanted Saul's family to reign, and, and so he hated David, and he wished he was dead, and he was throwing rocks at him and cursing at him and doing all these things to him. And, and when he came back, because he thought he'd die in battle, and he doesn't. He comes back. He went and met him and, and basically told David, couldn't you take a joke, bro? <laughs> I was just kidding. I'm so glad you're back. Um, and he says, I won't kill you. I won't kill you. And Solomon is going to be fair with that cat. He's going to take care of him and say, hey, you just stay where you should stay. Nothing will happen with you. But he's not that kind of guy. But he also tells him, hey, don't hold him guiltless. He is a guilty man. And bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. It's like, jeez. And then in verse 10, 11, and 12. So David rested with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The period of David's reign over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his throne was firmly established. If you remember the story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus, and Jesus spoke about, about Abraham's bosom, and it tells us in that story that there was this big old gulf between those in Abraham's bosom and those where the rich man was, where he was tormented. And so when it says that David rested with his fathers, it is more than likely that that is where he went to Abraham's bosom, where he would find comfort. Those who were awaiting the, the Messiah to come, those who, who understood that, that uh, Messiah would be coming, they trusted in the Messiah even before he came. And so those would be the ones that would be in Abraham's bosom. And it seems that that is where David is at. And, and here we have a man, David, who at the age of 15, God raised up to save Israel from Goliath. And it's almost like you fall in love with David as this young boy who has such confidence in the Lord that all, these, all the troops of Israel are out there, man, and for 40 days, Goliath is, is like just bashing them and, and, and calling them sissies and doing all this stuff. And, and they're like, ah. And David, and David comes and says, who's this uncircumcised fool? Who is this guy? And he's probably looking at all these guys going, you little girls, all you guys are little girls. Look at this man. He's, he's, he's cursing God. He's defiling God. And I can't believe you guys are just... And his brother are going, oh, you little brat you think you're all bad and it's like and he goes and grabs five stones man he takes care of this Goliath guy he says man you come at me with with the spear and all this stuff but I come at you in the name of the Lord and he goes and kills him with with one stone people have often said well why did he pick up five well he had four other brothers and he was going to take care of them too if he had to but it's interesting because here's a young man who is so confident in the Lord. We see him as, as David, as Saul brings him in and he was faithful to Saul even though Saul tried to kill him. He never turned his back on Saul. 
And so we see this life, man, this man. Yes, he made his mistakes, but I love the fact that God showed us his mistakes. He was the greatest king, man. He was a great military leader. He had all these things going on. Yes, he wasn't the greatest dad. (laughs) But man, oh man, to me, man, this second chapter, man, it's like props, bro. Right on, man. That's the way you prepare somebody. And David is a man that I have studied throughout the years. I've had a blast just kind of spending time with them for the last year or so. And I get emotional because I get into these stories and I study these people and, and, and you get to know them. And I wish that whenever you're reading your word, man, you put yourself in the story and you get to know these characters and they become part of your heart. Because when he comes to the end of his life here, Two verses, man. He died. He rested with his fathers. And he was buried in the city of David, which would be the old part of Jerusalem. And he reigned for 40 years. He got things right and he got things wrong, but he reigned for 40 years. God called him to the throne and he told them, there will always be someone who sits on your throne, David, and it would be Jesus. Jesus, the son of David. The Messiah would come from this man. And God raised him up. And we see this life of his, man, and and it's almost like, man, I'm going to miss David. (laughs) I know I could go back and read him. I know that. But it's almost like, man, I'm going to miss David. Because from here on out, it's going to get crazier <laughs> with his family. As much as I'm going to dig on Solomon for a little bit, we're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. But David is, is a man after God's own heart. There's books that have been written about him, of his character, the type of man he was, the love that he had with Jonathan, unreal. The humility that David had. You see, there's a big difference between King Saul and King King David. Saul did not know how to repent. He was a very prideful man. David, on the other hand, yeah, sometimes it lingered, but he knew how to repent, and there was humility in his life. Guys, we want to be like like David. (laughs) We should know how to repent on a regular basis. We should humble ourselves as we have had a great example in this man. And so we're gathered here today (laughs) to celebrate the life of David. (laughs) I've been doing way too many funerals, and so this this has been really emotional for me because it's like, God, David! David, too, Lord? It's like, he's been dead for hundreds of years. But, But anyways, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much that we have the opportunity to have your word with us. Lord, what a blessing. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God, that if man truly would have wrote this word, (laughs) he would have put his best foot forward. But I thank you that it is your Holy Spirit who inspired writers to write the word because it lets us know who man is, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And Lord, as I look at David's life at the end of his life, Lord, as he, as he talks to his son, 
And I, it, just seem, it just seems that he makes up a lot of ground here in how he speaks to the Son and encourages him to walk with you, Lord. And I just thank you for that encouragement for us, Lord, that we are to, to keep that charge that we have learned tonight, Lord, to not go to the right or to the left, but to just stay right there with you, Lord. And no matter what happens in our life, Lord, the good, the bad, and the ugly, Lord, we cannot be moved if we just stay right in the shadow of your wings and we can be immovable. Thank you, Lord, for giving us examples like this. Blessed be your name, for your good. In Jesus' name, amen.